You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. It's a nonprofit program serving a global alliance of scientists, educators, students, and you. Welcome. We have an interesting perspective today on science and the law. Our guest is Matthew Burr. He has a science degree in biology from the University of California at San Diego and graduate studies at the Baylor College of Medicine. He's worked as a technician in biology labs at the Salk Institute, Harvard, and MIT. He then went to law school and is now a patent attorney in Texas for more than 20 years, serving entrepreneurs and startups with patent law. And Matt, that's an impressive lineup of institutions where you've worked. And with your expertise in patent law, we should have an interesting discussion ahead. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm happy to be here, and uh, thank you for the kind introduction. You bet. Before we talk some about the law, let's talk about science. Now, you come from a family of scientists, I understand. and With that background, did you feel pulled or possibly pushed into science? Well, I guess I would say pulled. Um, I've always loved science, and uh, even though... Uh, I eventually um, went to law school. I still always maintained my love of science and tried to uh, keep up with the news in science just as a layperson. Um, I've found uh, Second Life uh, science resources to uh, be a really good resource uh, for me to do that the last uh, 10 years or so. And uh, that's sort of how I uh, got uh, involved with the science circle. And you certainly um, keep contributing well to science. You've been active in the science circle, hosting panel discussions on topics, oh, including the Fermi paradox, the Cambrian explosion, genome engineering, science fiction movies, and more. These panel discussions, they're an interesting way to present science topics, aren't they? Are, are there certain subjects that you think are especially suited uh, for a panel discussion? I think topics that are suited for panel discussions are topics that I'm interested in. <laughs> and I think the panel format uh, can be a little bit more fun for the audience. It's a little more interactive, um, uh, a little bit, I think maybe a little bit more relaxed. Uh, the Science Circle does also present sort of uh, more formal lectures uh, also in Second Life. Um, one of the Beauties of that platform is that the presenters can use slides or multimedia video. They can create objects in space. You can sort of they can um, show you a three-dimensional model of a molecule, for example. So that it's a fantastic platform for that. But I think the panel discussions um, are a little bit more freewheeling, um, and uh, really, it's it's kind of selfish for me because I just like to put together panels on mm. topics that I want to talk to experts about. Well, things like being a journalist, <laughs> I was for a number of years. If there was something I wanted to do or know more about, I simply made a phone call and did a story <laughs> on it. What what are some of the challenges you face of leading a panel, uh, bringing in your moderator skills? Is it the difficulty of keeping the subject on track? or knowing when to nudge a discussion along or helping to clarify the terms and concepts on behalf of your audience? What, what is it you do as the moderator? Well, it is all of those things. And uh, I guess what I, one of the things I might add also is if there's some particular uh, something about the topic um, that I'm curious about uh, that the panelists uh, may not be getting to, I can, you know, you, you sort of exercise my executive 
position to go ahead and uh, ask a question that I personally am interested in. Um, and I actually think that that's kind of helpful because I suspect if I'm interested in that, some percentage of the, of the students uh, might also be interested in it. So I'm kind of representing them uh, with the experts in a sense. And another challenge is that because the format is interactive, the students are chatting about the topic in text, asking questions or making comments on what we're talking about in voice. And one of my roles is to try to sort of follow what's happening in the text chat and to maybe curate questions or comments from the audience um, to then present to the panelists in voice and also for the video audience, for the audience that might be watching it later on video. Um, and that is challenging because that kind of multitasking where I'm trying to listen to the, uh, uh, to the panelists uh, and also follow the uh, chat uh, it, that is a challenge. Well, obviously, you have a love, a curiosity, a passion for science, but ultimately, you chose law instead, and you wound up with a specialty in patent law. What kinds of patents do you work with? Is it something Uncle Bob may have invented in his garage and sells through infomercials? Are you de dealing with uh, bigger uh, ticket items that may change entire industries? I suppose even a, a mom and pop sort of garage inventions might change an industry. But really, I work with a, a, a law firm in Texas, and we our sort of niche is entrepreneurs and startup companies. Um, we also have um, an accelerator, a small business accelerator associated with our firm for to uh, help uh, small companies uh, get investors and, and uh, mentor help with their companies. Um, so uh, I see some uh, patents coming out of that. Um, I think uh, really, uh, even though I love science, uh, I think in my 20s, I just had uh, anxiety about trying to make a living as a working scientist and having to publish and get grants and so forth. Um, so the last refuge of the scoundrel, I went to law school <laughs> and uh, having, a, you know, having a science degree, uh, you sort of get uh, funneled into patent law. And uh, it's been it's a it's a challenging practice. You know, you're really representing your clients before a government agency. After a brief break, let's talk about what innovations and inventions may impact education and access to learning. We'll be right back. And we're back speaking with Matthew Burr. His background in science and his practice in patent law gives an interesting take on where we might be heading with all these technological innovations in education and science. Do you think this bodes well or badly for education? Are these new technologies, are they going to expand access to learning or are they going to build even higher barriers keeping others out? If I could maybe address that just specifically, I think uh, like platforms like Second Life and the um, it's uh, it, it being so good at a platform for educating about science because it's interactive um, and because it's multimedia um, and because it can pull people together in one sort of virtual room from around the world. You know, we have students from Finland to Japan um, who can all gather together to listen to a discussion or a lecture in Second Life. So that 
kind of technology seems um, very helpful for the growth of education science. In the future, I would like to see something like a holodeck, <laughs> something even better than a, a VR goggles or something like that. I mean, if I were Jeff Bezos, I wouldn't be spending money on sending my car in outer space. I'd be spending on my money on developing a holodeck. <laughs> you were anticipating my next question, I think, is that uh, that you, you plan your panels according to the subjects that you're curious about. Let's say that you were able to devise the future you were able to construct the future of technology what would you be asking for beyond your holodeck well um as a star trek fan i think the most key uh, technology in star trek for example is the replicator <laughs> let's the, have lunch <laughs> yeah it's energy matter conversion if we could ever um you know be able to achieve that sort of technology uh, i think it would change all of our economics um, you know, it would be a, a gateway to the post-scarcity economy. So that would be a dream come true for sure. Well, let's hope uh, let's hope your vision does come true. How about education and, and implanting new knowledge into the minds of our students? Do you see anything uh, technology maybe uh, providing to help make that easier? Well, I don't know. I personally have not seen any technology about that. There might have been a Kurt Vonnegut story that addressed that. <laughs> it, it, kind of flashed on me. Well, and perhaps there's some areas where even scientists and lawyers dare not tread. <laughs> well, that might be true, too. It could have, of course, turned to evil in terms of indoctrinating entire populations or something. So you'd have to be careful about that. Well, I do see some technology out there that is able to possibly download uh, brain content, which is basically binary, right? We've got either a neuron is firing or it isn't. It just seems to me if we can download, well, all we need to do is reverse the process and possibly upload a language or a science degree or a, a JD. Well, possibly so. Maybe we could convert uh, digital information into chemical information uh, that uh, could be uh, implanted in our brains. Um, and, you know, I have also seen these... Uh, sort of amazing sort of robotic arms that can be controlled wirelessly just with brain signals um, that have been, uh, you know, prototypes that have been tested with with uh, disabled people, for example. Um, and uh, maybe also uh, uh, corollary to that is um, sort of the singularity where humans are able to transfer their consciousness into machines. Isn't this wonderful? Here you are on the forefront of science as a patent attorney. Don't you see some of these ideas and developments before anybody else, before a journal article, before a presentation? It comes across the patent attorney's desk, right? Well, yes, that's true. I mean, that is one of the perks of being a patent attorney. Um, now, to kind of bring that down to earth a little bit is I think most patent attorneys work within an area of their technical expertise. Um, I'm actually sort of the rare uh, animal that really sees a wide diversity of inventions just because of the nature of our entrepreneurial client base. But, you know, the, the, the hard reality is that most patent attorneys like work on software patents or work on electronic patents or work on, you know, mechanical patents and that sort of thing. Um, so you're not seeing the full spectrum of technology that might be uh, in development now. Nevertheless, that even that uh, sort of narrow window that we might see, it is a lot of fun 
to uh, when you meet with an inventor and you go, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I can't wait to see this happen. So, in fact, I just had a meeting with a client this afternoon where, um, you know, uh, we were everyone in the room. We we're all like sort of going, wow, this is going to be great when this happens. But I can't tell you what it was. <laughs> Our guest today for this episode of the Science Circle was Matthew Burr. He's a biologist, a patent attorney and someone with a practical and legal eye on the future. It's been fun. Please come back again soon, Matt. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. It was really delightful to talk with you, and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. And we'll be right back. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well.